So anyway, the most important question about your keyboard uh, is, will it blend? Oh, yeah, of course. (laughs) (laughs) That's 100% sure. Welcome to The Critical Channel, a show about life in software, whether that's programming or managing the servers or managing the people who do those things. We discuss software, culture, leadership, and a lot of random things. I'm Pedro Carvalho, and in today's show, Kieran Patel, Maxim Kravitz, and Italo Fietro discuss hero culture. Yeah, I mean, we like it. Very happy with this uh, this new keyboard. So now, you know, the problem with staying at home very often is that you look at your, you know, your your home office setup and it's never good enough. So you start, you start buying things just because, right? So you're like, well, I don't need this, but I want this. And then <laughs> you start oh, look buying that. My microphone sucks. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, right. I have a terrible microphone, so I should actually change it. And the microphone works perfectly fine. <laughs> I mean, I think the thing is with um, something like a keyboard is you are literally using it for yeah. eight hours plus a day. And it's the thing that brings you money, kind of, or at least uh-huh. you use it to bring you money. Yeah, so it, it really does. It's a tool for the job, basically. So yeah. this is how I justify having at least six mechanical keyboards dotted around this room. Oh, I'm actually going to use this excuse with my wife. Because when I bought this, she was like, you're going to buy another keyboard? You have a just working a working one right at your at table. I'm like, yeah, but it's not mechanical, right? Like, It doesn't have RGB on it. so Exactly. How is it going to bring food to the table if it doesn't have RGB? Yes. Yeah, and you should have a separate one for games. Because what if anything happens to this? Your work should not be affected by this, right? So Yes, never. So I need another one. Kieran, and then you need a backup. keyboard. Not a split one. I don't know how to use a split one. Neither did I when I started on my split keyboard journey. Actually, no. the, thing, the thing that I'm quite interested in doing, I might do this, um, I don't know, sometime in early next year when... Uh, when, when we're af- after the whole Christmas funsies and we're all kind of locked up again and stuck indoors for however long, um, I'm thinking of actually getting into building some keyboards and like, like from scratch. Well, as from scratch as, um, it's not like I'm going to go out and like dig up some sand. <laughs> <laughs> no, just, uh, cause you can get like the, the PCBs and then you can yeah. get your own switches and get your own keycaps and everything and kind of put them all together and make something not necessarily unique because it's kind of a kit, but, um, customized. Yeah. Just, yeah. Customized and, uh, kind of, you can, you can make things with quite a cool aesthetic as well. So, mm. um, yeah. And with nice. all this like new switches that don't require any soldering, you can just, uh, oh, the whole, them, well, right? yeah, I have to stick the ones that you want in and then change them for something yeah, else. You like can even have like different switches, switches for different buttons. Yeah. These are yeah. the ones. I have those in, in my kind of daily keyboard um, and I've never, I just bought it with the switches that I like in it and mm. never really changed them. But uh, 
The one that you I, like is what blue. I like the kale bronze speed bronzes. Kale um, bronze speed bronze, which are uh, I don't know. They're 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 just the right level of like tactility and like clicky enough, but um, they're very easy to press. They're not like uh, like you know. I was just I'm gonna do it again. I'm sorry, Max. Oh, but that's oh no, not be, th- those are cherry blues. Be my right? guest. Oh. I miss my blues. Like I those don't are, use them. Some ASMR here, <laughs> right? And then the bronzers, and I need to do this without accidentally pressing something and stopping my recording. So let's unplug that. <laughs> They're a little more muted, and they the action is a lot like easier. Mm. Let's say so. I see. Um, but that was because I basically, I got one of those little kits where you have like eight different um, ah, switches and then you can right. just press them all and see what, see what you like about them. Yeah. So I uh, I did my research. That's nice. Yeah. yeah. Keyboards. So, yeah, I was actually just looking into, yeah, I think it was yesterday or so, I was looking in this YouTube channel of reviewing keyboards and the, and the guy was reviewing a split keyboard but that one actually interests me i was like okay this is this is a fun interesting split keyboard i I forgot the brand name but i will try to get it because get that we're like we can get all of our keyboards well no i'm not going to get all of my keyboards in show notes because those are going to be some very long show notes but we can get some of our favorite (laughs) keyboards in show notes sure Yes, and the uh, the show notes for this episode you'll be able to find at uh, criticalchannel.io/slash/eight. Yes, eight. Eight. Confirmed. Confirmed. <laughs> Confirmed. We have recorded eight of these things. That you have recorded like twelve of these things, but eight of them have seen the light of day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so eight far, so far, at least six, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Six of them have some interesting materials for you guys. <laughs> we'll see about oh, yeah. the rest. So, um, what was it about this other particular keyboard that caught your eye? Uh, so the, the basically the, I, I think the name of this one is Digma. Is that it? Mm-hmm. Hello. It's on my desk. Aha. Uh-huh. This is uh, this okay, one. So that is I, yours then. Yeah. Okay. So this is apparently this is a version two of it. Or something, I don't know. Yeah, it also, says version two. Also, look, so. it's purple as well. Of course. Yeah. So I look into this 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 guy's um, YouTube channel. He was reviewing this Digma keyboard version two, and I was like, okay, that is a super cool one. It's a very expensive one, but still, again, if you work with it, well, it might be worth the investment, right? It seems very ergonomic as well. So um, it's just. Uh, you know, educating myself on how to type in a split manner. Um, it's going to take a while. Not sure if I'm ready for the job, but that got at least the, my attention and maybe I will consider buying it soon enough. Yeah. I mean, um, when we're allowed to see people in the flesh again, if you haven't purchased one, you can come around and try it out. But I'm, I'm also a huge, huge fan of this keyboard. Um, and, uh, God, I don't know how long I've had this now. I've had this for for a little while, but um, I've just just looked up the V2, and it looks like they're well, it's like a second batch because it's it was still like an early access thing when I got it because it was uh, this mm. was originally done on 
um, Kickstarter or Indiegogo or something like that. I don't remember which one. Mm. Um, and it looks like they're adding a kit for tenting to it, which is actually yeah. the, basically the one thing that I'm missing here. So it's pretty good. They've also, um, the software for it is all open source, which is really quite nice. So. Yeah, I like this. The guy said uh, like that right away and it was like, wow, that's, that's a plus. Yeah, you can go and see my issues on there if, you, if you're interested. <laughs> um, they, uh, they actually just released the documentation for the API as well. So I'm thinking nice. of playing around with that at some point when I am not working too hard. Mm. When I'm not kind of being a hero. Uh, which uh, is my wonderful way of segueing onto our topic. So this episode, we're talking about hero culture. Uh, did you like that one, guys? I thought that one was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, no, that was good. That was a good one. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was trying imagine. not to sing. Oops, I did it again. <laughs> <laughs> so we can uh, we can talk about hero culture. Uh, let me be your hero. Let me be your hero. <laughs> there we go. I went there. Okay. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> so this uh, this uh, episode uh, about hero culture is gonna f um, kind of talk about our own experience. I think a little bit because I, I, similar to some other episodes, I think we've all been the hero or are the heroes in various companies. Um, so, what does that mean exactly? Uh, I mean. Max, what does that mean to you? What does what does hero culture mean to you? Oh no, oh no. Yeah, go. Oh no. Why are you putting me in the spotlight? Because it's... you had more emojis than both of us put together, I think. <laughs> oh yeah, it's kind of an ongoing issue, and I think. Oh, where where do I start? <laughs> okay, I love solving problems, and I love unblocking people, and. I love it so much that I can be doing just this for the whole day. And that's what kind of brought me to hero culture before hero culture was cool, I think. <laughs> You're the hipster of hero culture. <laughs> the hipster of yeah. hero culture. Uh, um, so there are, I guess, various aspects to hero culture. Um, let's... Let's just start with something. I think that one of the aspects of the hero culture, like one of the sort of ways it manifests itself is when you just like what you do and you try to do it all the time. Like you like debugging things, you go and debug things and you, by doing this, you, or while doing this, you look around and you see what else is not working and you start doing this for other people. And uh, that's where it starts becoming a little bit dangerous because it distracts you from the work that you're supposed to be doing as part of your team or whatever your position might be. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, if you ask me, that's probably my biggest issue and it's still an ongoing issue, I would say. Even... I think I have become a little bit better in this, but yeah, I still like better in like fixing. not being a hero. 
yeah, but better in like trying not to engage in these activities that other people are engaged in, like trying not to, even if it is good to help people, you still have to do your job, so to say. So even if it feels bad, say no to these people, that's apparently what you need to do quite often, which will also help them to learn something about this because if you're already there, just, you know, like that guy in XKCD comics, stand, uh, everybody stand back, I know regular expressions, <laughs> just like swinging by the keyboard, typing stuff and running away and everything works. It feels amazing. Yeah, I quite enjoy this. But then it doesn't bring any value to to the company, to the product, to the team, to to anything. It doesn't even bring any value to you in the long run. Because you're going to end up just exhausted every day. Yeah, so I think um, I'm going to make a, a jump in and make a small distinction here. Because... Uh, no, oh, please there do, is, there is, there the is hero. no other way to stop me anyway. <laughs> there is the hero, uh, but then there is hero culture. And uh, mm-hmm. sometimes uh, heroics within the context of working in an organization can be a good thing. They can be useful. Like sometimes, you know, you do need someone to come in and, and save you from being down for hours or whatever. And then some guy comes in with a new idea and, and is the hero of the moment. And I think that's all well and good until it becomes systemic. Um, and until, so what it means when it becomes systemic is that uh, the rest of the organization stop, be, they start to have expectations of the person who is the hero and they stop being quite so accountable for their own work. Um, and in extreme cases, this can mean that, you know, they, they will break stuff. Uh, and then be like, oh no, it's fine. Like the you know, Maxim can come in and fix the problem. And yeah, I think he knows regular expressions. Yeah, there is also like kind of a, let's say there are good heroes and there are bad heroes. Like good heroes are idiots like me. Not that I'm a particularly good, but anyway, uh, <laughs> good heroes are people who just you know like doing this and they can become consumed by this and they do it, but they don't actively make things happen so they would have something to do, if that makes sense. Like a bad hero would be notoriously bad at making things more reliable, but would not write any documentation, basically would make sure that they are needed in the process. I, yeah, I think there's a... Because it does, it does feel good, as you say. It's, it's um, you know... There's like a dopamine hit to being the guy who. Yeah, I think that's exactly what it is. Yeah. It's basically, yeah. You know, there's a toxic level to that where you can be the person who. uh, Kind of disrupts everyone's work in order for you to get your hit. Yeah, like any dopamine thing, it can be addictive. And Mm -hmm. whether or not you're actively trying to sabotage things and disrupt people's work, the the end result can be that, um, you know, as you say, you're not writing documentation or, um, you, you know, you're deliberately using obscure 
methods and frameworks and things because uh because you like being able like being the one to swoop in and save the day and that might be completely subconscious but i i think it's a it's a valid concern and um it's it's also self-compounding right because the more of a the more of a hero you are the more uh, the less time that you have to write the documentation and and do the stuff properly and enable other people to to work on what you are working on and therefore the more you have to sweep in with your institutionalized knowledge before you know it you're a knowledge silo see also previous episodes um and yeah before long it, it can become you know it can become systemic it can become a cultural issue that you are the you are the guy that is expected to fix everything and you know as you were saying max that results in burnout and that results in inability to kind of innovate or do any new stuff or enjoy yourself because you're constantly having to deal with fighting these fires and like any addiction even though it feels good it can be a a bad thing yeah i think there is also another issue uh which is about the culture part like the cultural aspect of this uh what i've seen happening quite often and i think this also happened to me i hope it hasn't been happening as often but it totally has been uh when you're let's say not an expert in the matter not not yet an expert but you do know some things and then by you becoming this hero and people relying on you for fixing things you kind of already have this uh what's the word there like the acknowledgement of your skills which aren't like really that great yet you just know some things that others don't know and you're the hero but mm -hmm. people already think highly of you and then you think kind of the same about yourself and and there's a I level of expectation that's placed on you to be the expert at everything even though you you can't like who can be the expert at everything yeah first it's this thing and the, the pressure and second thing is it might be uh, bad for you since you start thinking like hey look at this i'm an expert i'm a very important person here everyone needs me everyone likes what i do and again because you're so busy with doing these things you don't really learn as much and you don't improve your skills and in the end you look like a very much an expert but you really aren't as well, sad and, as and it is then there's everybody else in the organization as well who is thinking, oh, I don't need to learn how to do X properly because we have Max who knows all this stuff already. Yeah, that's what happens quite often. Yeah, that's where the bad culture comes into place. I think my main problem with the hero culture is it's such a narrow view of, of, of the problem, right? Because you become a hero by let's say, fixing things when they go wrong, right? Like you go there, you know how to fix them, you have the knowledge. You get there, you fix them, and you become a reference, and then it happens again, and you go there and you fix it, and you, you know, become a bigger reference now. 
but understanding why those problems are happening or having the big picture of why things are breaking, why am I needed here at all, right? In this in this point in time, like why is my role here important? A lot of times, at least I've seen this where where the three of us work together and other companies as well. Um, most of the times, a lot of people just lose the point of why we are there fixing something. There is there is a systematic problem somewhere else that is causing this to happen every, I don't know, you know, frequent. Let's put it like this. And the need of the need for having a hero to fix that is a problem, right? You're, either you have a process problem where the knowledge is not spread across multiple teams enough. So, you know, you don't need a hero really. Or maybe once the problem happens, you don't really document, like like you just said, right? You don't really document what you learned from it and how should we fix it properly or, or something like that. Because heroes are great, but they normally appear in the time of need, right? When things are really breaking, like incidents. Mm-hmm. It's the perfect example. Uh, they, they show up in other places as well. Like sometimes regular expressions, I don't know how to fix this. I will call Maxime. And that is okay. Right, because those kind of heroes are fine. You call Max, he comes here, he fixes my regular expressions, all good. That is learning, right? I'm learning from someone that has better experience than I have. That kind of hero is, I think, is a positive hero to have. It's he's an expert, and that expert can spread that knowledge as long as he knows how to spread the knowledge, or the person knows how to spread the knowledge. But having heroes during a critical time, ring, ring, critical channel. Um, so having that, that, you know, critical time happening in your company, and then you have a hero that goes on Slack and say, Hey, Hey, Hey people, I know how to fix this. Hold your horses. I'm going to fix this. And then and it's fixed. And then Nothing it's fixed. Else. Yeah. And yes. then there is like big celebration for five seconds. Yeah, Everyone hey, praises man, the blah, guy. Blah, blah, go away. Yeah. And, and then nothing else is ever done about the issue. Exactly. And it happens. That, that is my problem day. with this culture. Cause then the hero will be needed again very soon and we never fix the problem from the root cause and, and and try to avoid it or we never pass the learning that the hero got and has to pass on to the rest of the team so they know how to fix it well yeah. i think i think the issue there is that um when someone is a hero at a company they can never have ownership of everything Something. they are yeah. fixing um the Oh yeah, quite often you are actually fixing, as I was saying, issues of everybody. Everyone, yeah, everybody. Yeah. That that's, exactly. That's yeah. what's the most interesting, right? Because if you're yeah. just gonna fix your own stuff every time, that's boring. You need new stuff because old mm. stuff doesn't, you know, hit as hard anymore. And if you think about it, that's that's such a great opportunity for an individual in the company to understand other businesses, right? Like other areas of other teams. Um, understand why they're having those problems and then go help them fix. But the, the word here is help them fix, not do for them, right? And that's where I think there is a, there is, let's say, a misalignment when, when we talk about heroes because helping other people solve their problems, even during incidents, that is very positive still. Doing it for them just because we want to fix it very quickly might be good for the company, yes, because we should fix the incident as soon as we can. But if we don't pass, again, I will just repeat myself, but if we don't pass that information along to the team that is responsible for it, 
or we don't write some runbooks on how to fix this again or write some tickets to fix it properly. We're always going to need a hero. And or once be- this hero yet, goes away, we have a problem. Better yet would be to make the make it self-service, right? So, um, mm. you know, example that has come up recently is uh, the way that we manage queue workers at work is kind of complex and, and uh, a little scary. And so um, trying to improve, like something I've been trying to do is try and improve on that and change it from, okay, you have to do these like nine different steps to you have to fill in a line in a YAML file and then let CI do its thing. By right. uh, by making it, a, by making something that's normally scary a routine thing, mm-hmm. um, it kind of empowers the engineers who would normally be scared to go near that part of the the system yeah yeah to do it themselves and uh and hopefully you know also empower them to go to understand okay like yes i'm filling in this yaml file here and ci is doing this thing but what is ci actually doing and they can go and look at the pipeline and figure out oh right now i see what what like kieran was doing manually all this time Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, yeah. even if it, even if they don't want to go there and understand anything, it's still much much better for the hero and the rest of the team in the long run, because now anyone can basically go there and do what the hero would do without the hero being present, mm-hmm. and it wouldn't be such an event anymore. As Kieran said, it's a routine activity now. Yeah, there is. Another topic that I don't like about the hero culture, which is, you know, when, let's say when you are, when you are under a present incident just happening right now, lots of people get involved, right? It's normal. If you don't have a proper process for this, a lot of people will just go there and try to solve the issue. And there is normally, even with the hero present, there is normally a lot of collaboration happening here and there, right? So some people find some, some, you know, some clues over this server and the other one goes somewhere else and he's like, hey, this code is actually buggy here. So a lot of people contribute to the whole solution. But in the very end, who gets all the credit is actually the hero because most of the time, right? Not saying it happens all the time. Most of the time it happens like the hero goes there and he's like, yeah, I fixed the issue. Like I, I actually found, you know, the the problem, the root cause of the problem. And he fixed it right there. And but for him to get there, he had to, you know, he had to get information from a lot of other people who were just contributing in, in, in the chat. And maybe, you know, maybe the hero says, hey, cool. Uh, thanks for everybody for helping out. That is nice. But actually, and I, I've seen this happening many times in, in different companies, and uh, I bet you guys also saw this, but Normally, the, the people higher in the chain will actually congratulate only the one that actually is the most famous or the one that actually fixed the problem in the very end. And that could bring a very wrong kind of culture to the company because then other people will feel like, yeah, you know what? I'm not going to help anymore. Like, I know that my work here is contributing, but who's getting all the credit is that guy? Or, you know what? I'm just losing my time here and... I'm not going to do this. Yeah, this guy's got this already. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I have to like very quickly go back to the previous point you, Italo, were stressing. Mm-hmm. And I also want to stress that second time. 
it's the hero culture we're talking about, right? It's not just yeah. heroes themselves. It's also the rest of the company, including mm -hmm. management of these people, who also need to pay attention to these things. And things like, oh, congratulating just one person who did solve it or whatever. It's yeah. the teamwork. All these people did show up and whatever hero figured out quite often is built upon contributions of others. Yeah. Or at least even if they just simply had five ideas and others checked four of those ideas, that That's makes it much easier to say, hey, the fifth one is the one, right? Because they've already mm -hmm. checked all the others. I didn't have to do much work as a hero. Mm -hmm. So right. uh, yeah, non-heroes need to be aware of this and also acknowledge when these things do happen and then have a plan how to, like what to do about it. Let's say specifically talking about the critical situation. Mm -hmm. Do you have a post-mortem? Go over what happened without calling names, just go mm -hmm. over the whole thing that happened. Like who did what, not, not who exactly, but what was done in order to solve the problem and how do we make sure that this never happens again? Like, yeah, I mean, critical things 101 basically, <laughs> but... That's what heroes do, right? They they yeah. don't do something extraordinary. They just do things, and they just never tell anyone when they, what they did. Quite often, that is true. Or, or they do sure. say things on Slack like, "Hey, I did this, blah blah blah," but then it gets forgotten, and uh, yeah. no one ever remembers how to do things. So, it's partially heroes' kind of fault, and it's also kind of everyone else's fault that instead of doing anything, people also kind of fall back to this idea, oh, I'll just call a Superman. and Yeah, of course, yeah. Everything they, they, will they, be This will is normally what happens. Yeah. I kind of, yeah. I, um, I want to circle back to what you said about management uh, in a minute, because I think there's this, uh, it's not as clear-cut as what you just, uh, as the kind of scenario you just described. But uh, before we do, there's also... Um, a slightly cynical counterpoint where yes, maybe there are five people who've all jumped on the issue and the hero is the one who fixes it. But what I have seen happen is the past is that five people jump on the issue and they're looking in like completely the wrong place. And they're just, you know, they're restarting servers. They're trying all sorts of things with no kind of yeah. evidence to back, to back up what they're doing. And uh, essentially, you know, making things worse and providing like making, even if they're not, like affecting anything you know just creating noise and, and misinformation which uh which can also be dangerous so um there's also you know that the responsibility then is on well the responsibility doesn't is on everybody to understand what it was that actually fixed the problem and what what were the other like issues that cropped up that were not super relevant um but like part of that responsibility is on the the person who is the hero to say like you know in a nice way, but to say like guys, you're looking in the wrong place. This is the real issue, and to, oh, yeah, to over communicate then... and make that as clear as possible. And the temptation is when you're in that situation, the temptation is to go okay. I'm just going to let those guys be over there and do what they're doing. Yeah, well, now and go I'm going to fix thing. the issue. Yeah, quietly uh, over here, and then uh, now it's fixed. Yeah. Whereas that, that you actually really happens just a lot. To, yeah, you, it is so important to coordinate and just say like. And guys, then I five people are touching the same database, and things go yeah. haywire. 
you're SSH to a server and you're just about to like change a file and then the server reboots. Yep. And the file isn't like an in, in some weird state and the system cannot boot. Yeah, I've seen this happening. So yeah, many you're times. like, oh, there's a Vim swap file here. Uh, is someone already editing this? Like the, the coordination is so important in those situations. Yeah, that's why I like, I mean, this is not an incident episode, but that's why I like to have proper roles when an incident happens. Like mm-hmm. even if you are a small company, right? If you have proper roles, hey, you are going to be the one coordinating, you're going to be the one taking notes, you're going to be the one fixing the problem um, or helping fix the problem. You you need some level of coordination. doesn't matter how big or small the incident is. Um, yeah, and you also need you can learn this, from it. this uh, sort of no heroes culture around it. So even if there are heroes, mm-hmm. let's actually use them for, for good. So yeah. if there is a hero you kind of need to sort of direct and control them. So sort of to put their energy somewhere where it's needed because mm-hmm. they sometimes they are very good at doing what they do. Let's say debugging things and figuring out uh, what the hell has happened. Why are we having an incident? Uh, but then if they have all this other things in place, if there is like in general a culture of uh, communicating stuff, collaborating with others, not doing things without notifying others. It really helps for, yeah. it really helps them to be in this process as well. Because if no one communicates and you're sitting there and you're, you're a smart guy, right? You know how to do things. You're like, why would I bother? Mm. No, one's, no one's saying anything. I'll just go and quickly fix it. Sometimes it not even of- for... Or like a, a praise, but just because, again, it feels good. Even if no one knows that you did it, you know that you did it. But it's still a bad, bad thing because then no one knows what happened. What happened, yeah. It kind of solves the, the problem you were talking about before as well, Max, which um, is that you know you don't really know that much about that particular domain, but you do know that they are off doing stuff in on the wrong server entirely. And if you go to this other server and, I don't know, restart Nginx, then all of a sudden everything's fine, right? But then everyone goes, oh my God, this guy's like, he knows so much. It's like, no, all I did was restart Nginx. Like, it's not... Another thing that happens, you go and silently silently do your thing. What you did helps the issue. But those others who were restarting other things, they think that what they did actually helped to solve the issue. And then you end up arguing endlessly or... Again, if you're this stupid hero that doesn't like fame and everything and you just go and quickly fix things, then people think that there is an issue where there isn't an issue. Mm-hmm. Because whatever they restarted and it helped, but it was that other guy all along. Or they think it went away by itself. and Yeah. And then you might end up having a runbook, a procedure, a change in the process, completely new system installed <laughs> or whatever. And then it's not a problem. Yeah, because of nothing, pretty much. Yeah. Well, then then I have like a different point of view as well. Um, you know, we talked about like the hero culture. Okay, we know that's bad. We want to avoid that as, uh, you know, to the best that we can. And you have the hero, which is normally a good person. Like, you know, it's an expert that wants to help. But then you have ownership problems, right? Mm-hmm. Where... You have teams that are supposed to own a specific server service, let's say. And let's say the problem happens on their service. Shouldn't that team 
have the knowledge, the proper knowledge, right? Let's let's think about a perfect team. The proper knowledge to fix the service that they put in production. Shouldn't that team be empowered to do so? Well, let's, un- let's unpick this a little bit because this go this kind of. So you, I mean, you're saying assuming a perfect team, and by that I assume you mean a cross-functional team. Yeah. But this kind of goes back to one of our very early episodes, if not the first one, where we talked about what where where is the line between dev and ops. Mm-hmm. Um, should I think the team that's the be first able, one. Should the team yeah, be able to one. fix their problem, or you know, is the problem? You, I don't know, Cilium, Cordian S, something, something, something. Okay, that's like maybe... Very you know, that You know, there's a clear line there, but at certain points, the, the line gets blurred a bit more. Mm. Um, there's a there's also, uh, you know, the team might be completely empowered and have all the skills to fix the problem, but they might not be online. They might not be part of the on-call team. However, your on-call rotations is a whole other topic, but like they, you know, they might not be part of that team when there's an issue. Um, so, yes, the responsibility is on them to make sure that other people can diagnose and debug and fix that issue by providing, you know, good logs and metrics and whatnot in their in their system. Uh, but again, you know, there's uh, you you can't say oh like you have to be online whenever there's an issue you like some people you know them even even ignoring the fact that people might be traveling or something like on a plane mm-hmm. at the time when there's an issue people have families and things so. yeah but this is i think a, a different problem here i guess what Italo talks about is if we have a team that is responsible we obviously assume that people who are like who know how to do things, they agreed to be on call. It's not that, hey, we have an incident and they magically have to show up. No, no, no. We, mm. I guess, only talk about people who are on call, yeah, yeah, are in rotation and yeah. members of the team. Yeah, I know like companies, I have a friend here working at Klarna, for instance, and they have a one on-call person per team because it works for them, right? It's, it's a good setup for them. And whenever there is a problem on their service, that person, even it could be like even a front-ender, right? Whatever it is, that person knows how to fix the problem. And I'm not diminishing front-enders just, just to see it, just, just to make Burn. sure, like making this very clear here, like front-enders touching servers in the backend. That's more or less where I mean. It's not their area of expertise, but... They still know how to do it because they have a good process and they can follow through and you and know, they have you know training and documentation training exactly yeah. training documentation so they can follow through the problem and then they figure it out. Um, of course, they are not experts. So if it's a DNS problem or if it's you know something very deep into the networking, well, they might need help. Yeah. And then you need other people in the on call rotation to you know make sure you have that expertise at that time. But then if you have this amount of people, you avoid the hero culture. And also, uh, even if you are only good enough to figure out that it is indeed a DNS issue, but you know nothing about the DNS system, even if you can arrive to this that point, point that, yeah. that's that's already awesome. Because yeah. when you're calling your networking team, instead of saying, oh, something, something doesn't work, you just <laughs> go like, hey, I've checked A, B, C, and D, and you know, 
that's I think the problem DNS. is DNS. Mo- most likely it is. And yeah. w- then the conversation goes much smoother. They also like you more because you basically give them something to work with. It's the mm. same way we don't like when someone calls like any member of support team will understand what I'm talking about now when someone just tells you, hey, it doesn't work. You yeah. know, can, I downloaded you your app, computer? it doesn't can work. Can you fix my... <laughs> yeah. This is broken, fix it. Yeah. Yeah, like this, This, you know, like if you have that, you have debugging skills and debugging skills are very important. Um, I see till these days a lot of people who just don't know how to debug, either for the lack of experience or for the lack of interest in doing so. Or and just like basic critical thinking skills as yeah. well. Just Sometimes like, it's basically Googling. It, it, yeah. all it becomes starts like with problematic. Just, People it, don't it, even it, do yeah. that. It, it also starts with just understanding what is this that you're looking at. Yeah. Like debugging knowing skills are essentially and, knowing yeah. what knowing talks system, to yeah. what, goes through the what, like how things flow from A to B and what happens. Yeah, yeah. yeah to the yeah, things on their way where that is either not flowing or flowing incorrectly or something exactly yeah. and also what what's that. a exactly and if a isn't there how do you know that it isn't yeah. there yeah but so so many times you know i've seen there's you know there's a problem and there's no thinking gone into okay like where during the flow is this breaking it's just there's a problem it's PHP that needs to be restarted, yeah, let's period. Go yeah. Because PHP FPM FPM. needs to be yeah. restarted, everyone knows that, period. Yes. <laughs> just, you know, just pick a server, like throw a dart at, oh, at the wall, it lands on the number, you pick that number of server and you restart go and restart it. PHP FPM on that server. <laughs> Done. That's that's how to crit- Let's shut it down. We finished the podcast. If it doesn't that's have PHP on that server, make sure you install it and then you restart and it. And then restart it. Yeah. Solve yeah, I everything. think this anti-methods are so f- infamous that Brendan Gregg even collected all them in the book and described them. I think there are four <laughs> methods. We put something in the show notes. Please this is do. amazing read. Yeah, <laughs> I think one is actually called uh, drunken someone or something method when you just turn it sounds good already. knobs randomly and see what happens. That's exactly <laughs> what a lot of times happens, right? Yeah, yeah. That's how I deal with my audio setup. <laughs> See? Um, yeah, so uh, to come back to something that you mentioned something as well. Something management Max, something. Something, something management something, which is, um, you know, you kind of made the assumption, uh, the, in some cases, fair assumption, that um, you, you can spot hero culture because there's an issue and it's fixed and then everyone's clapping the one guy on the back and the guy's like, hey, I didn't do it all. Like, everyone did it, something, something. You're, the assumption that you're making there is that the... the um, well, is that management actually are looking at that? That it, it's a tech-focused enough company for them to actually look at that. Um, because from the point of view of somebody outside of tech, they can see, hey, like these guys are moving very quickly. They're able to deliver a lot of features and whenever anything goes wrong, they fix it really quickly. What they're not seeing from outside is that people are moving fast and breaking stuff and then one poor guy has to pick up all the pieces. I have a question. Okay. In this successful, quickly moving team with amazing velocity and whatnot, aren't there inside managers like managers inside the tech part of it 
Uh, I was talking about these be. people. Like they should take mm. note of this. Like obviously, your product people might not even know what's going on under the hood. But then you have all kinds of management in the tech team itself, right? Well, uh, then the the question becomes, you know, how much um, push to do that uh, management team, or you know, it could it could just be like team leads or squad leads or or platoon leads or whatever they're called these days. Formation um, leads. That's what we've <laughs> established during our previous episode. <laughs> okay, fermentation leads. Let's go with that. <laughs> yes. Um, so, it, you know, it, it might be that these guys can go and say, like, hey, we need to slow down because we have all of these, like, systemic issues that need fixing, and this is why we have all this downtime. And, um, but because of the work of this hero, they're not able to take the, you know, there's, there's no weight behind that statement because as far as, you know, they're going to the CEO and saying this and the CEO goes, but, you know, you're moving fast, you're delivering, you're doing what I want. And that, you know, when there is downtime, it's fixed within 10 minutes. Um, that's, that's, uh, that's something like I have, what you just said, it, it's transparency basically that is lacking there, right? Like, cause you, you might be moving fast. You might be breaking thing, things. People from outside are not looking into this. There is the hero culture happening here. One, one, you know, one person is actually picking up all the cracks and trying to fix everything. Um, I've very recently, actually, last week, I came up with a with a with a dashboard that I built for not only for myself but for transparency with the product people and with my CEO, which tells me how often are we deploying changes that are causing criticals? Sorry, that are causing incidents. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so I, 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 you know, I pick up a lot of information from GitHub and our deployment system and our CI system and then crossing, che- crossing that with um, Ops Genie. At the end, we know exactly, okay, this change, not exactly, but close enough. This change has caused an issue. And how often this is happening, you know, over time. If that line is actually trending up, something is wrong systematically. That's normally how the math works behind it, right? Yeah, and that's um, probably one of the most important metrics you can have about your releases. Honestly. Yes, that's why I wanted to work on it because then I can show to non-technical people like product, hey, do you see this? This is going up. There is something wrong in our system systematically that is causing us to have to stop our product work to fix problems constantly. And normally there is a single person in here which is fixing everything and this person is being completely burned out right now. Yeah. Derek Kieran, that's CTO token token. That's pretty much the answer to your question. Like CTO, <laughs> every good CTO I ever met or worked for takes note of these things. Like as we said before, hey hero came in and fixed stuff and it only took 10 minutes. If it happens once, fine. Even CTO can be Good job, mm-hmm. pat on the back, cool. Yeah. If it happens again and again and again and again and again, we have a problem. Usually for me, the most annoying question was, hey, what happened and how did you fix it? When I was a hero hero, I was furious every time I heard this question. It's like, how dare you asking this? While in reality, people just wanted to know what the hell? And after all, come on, man, these aren't your systems. These are yeah. the things we all work on with and depend on, and they all pay our salaries and shit. So chop, chop, 
put whatever you did in a procedure and let others do it. And if you think yeah. it's too fragile that others cannot do it, then we have even bigger problem. Exactly. Yeah. So I think transparency really helps avoiding us getting into this hero culture more frequently, you know, not only avoiding having more incidents, but also one thing kind of leads to the other. Um, and having this proper metrics, like understanding your systems, understanding how frequent you're having problems that are caused by changes or moving fast. Um, looking at all of that, I think if you have enough metrics to have an overview and understand your system, awesome. You're going to be as transparent as you can. And you're going to buy in some time from product and say, look, we have to stop here and fix the problem properly to avoid you know, getting into the into the rhythm or the culture of having issues every day and being okay with that, right? So, um, yeah, just my yeah. experience on it. And then I think if you add postmortems or yes. something analogous to this, be. to the metric you just described, then you should it's be able better. to tell, hey, is it the same thing that keeps happening every time we deploy? Or is it some new problems? That yeah, we haven't anticipated or something. I also yeah. have an example on that. Like every month, we have a postmortem review to understand like which kind of incidents we had uh, during the month, and we look at the metric as well. So every time we pull up the dashboard and see how is the trend going, are we going up or down during the year uh, in the amount of incidents? And okay, let's look at the. Postmortems from before, do, do they actually look alike? Do you see a pattern happening here and there? If so, you might be fixing the same problem over and over again. You're not really fixing the root cause. Um, so having a postmortem review with the involved people in the incident, I think is very valuable. Um, you know, you can do this completely asynchronously, but I, I do think like putting people together and discussing about the postmortem uh has value you know like stopping a few people that actually were involved in this well and also want to bring it back to um ownership and accountability as well because uh it's one thing saying oh yeah this thing keeps breaking but nobody owns this thing or will hold their hand up and say oh, yeah okay, it's like, that I thing it always on. breaks at five that's it's normal fine. <laughs> yeah it, it'll get back fine in 20 minutes forget about it don't worry. <laughs> but taking ownership yeah, of, of the thing and taking um, taking on the kind of responsibility and, and saying, yeah, I will fix this. Um, mm -hmm. Even if it's not yeah. right now, even if it's like, look, I can't do it for a month. But Yeah, even if like, you just go there and at least create a damn ticket. Yeah. That, hey, yeah. This, this thing is annoying the hell of everyone and needs to... And know, ultimately it's costing the business money. Probably. That's that's what I would say is like um e every time you have a problem like this, right? Like maybe maybe you have the ownership of that problem or maybe you don't have the ownership of the problem, but doesn't really matter. Identifying that a problem exists and bringing up not only saying, "Hey, this is this is buggy here, it's breaking and it's annoying everybody," but basically putting this into context to to your managers or to your leaders, basically saying, "Look, I'm spending X percent of my time per week fixing this problem. And this is affecting my work, it's affecting my mental health, it's affecting whatever. 
right? Like putting into this into perspective and explaining, we have to fix this properly because it's taking a lot of my time and my team's time. If you bring that up to a manager, then basically that manager knows how to deal with that right now because he has data to actually, you know, he has some data to show up other people and say, we have to fix this. This is costing money, like Kieran just said. This is costing our time and this is making people very sad here. So let's fix it. So data is important. Mm-hmm. Definitely let let the data do the talking. I think something yeah. Yeah. we can argue with it. Something Indula just said reminded me that we should also talk about those other heroes that aren't dealing with criticals. You know, critical heroes are kind of special ones. But then there are those very, very quiet heroes that just silently, you know, are uncomfortable with many things and they do fix things without ever letting anyone know. Like they would go and rewrite the big piece of infrastructure to something else. They would go and replace one product with another product to do whatever. They would take that thousand line long class and split it up <laughs> and make it nice and tidy and, and not even like announce that they've done it. Just Exactly. And then Just whenever, the whenever they it. are asked like, hey, what's why this is still not done and that ticket is still in there and blah, blah, blah. They would be like, but I had all this work to do that they haven't even agreed upon doing with anyone. They But they did the very good thing. So it's kind of, you know, yeah, hard to like tell them off right away for doing this. But at the same time, they they didn't do those other things that they have promised that they would. <laughs> I mean, this is one of the, um, actually everything we're talking about, both uh, critical issues plus this, Plus the other one, which is um, when the stakeholders learn that they can go directly to this one guy and oh, he will no. just do oh, it. No questions. No. That is the worst. <laughs> but all of these three things are uh, unplanned work, right? In the yeah. lean DevOps Kanban kind of world, like it's the out of the, the four types of work or whatever it is, it's like un- unplanned work. Um, and as as you were saying, Italo, it's the the transparency and the accountability and just, um, you know, making all, making all of that work as visible as possible, so that people can use that data, whether that's through things like metrics or whether it's uh, through a ticketing system and change management and all that stuff. Just so that there is the data there and everything is visible, so people can see, okay, like this is everything that we're working on right now. And mm-hmm. I think if you if you don't have that bird's eye view it's very very easy to get distracted by yeah um yeah absolutely yeah absolutely all right i uh is there any other points anyone wants to make or should we wrap this guy up i think we touch point on most of the important problems of course we can dive deep into any of those but i think we surfaced the most important ones i think i agree with you so so do i to both of our listeners, thank you. Uh, <laughs> no, to all of our listeners, uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, you can find us uh, on Twitter at Criticalio. And uh, you can find the show notes for this episode at criticalchannel.io slash eight. Catch you next time. See you. Ciao, ciao.